I'm about to become a dad. What do I do? My kids are in high school and I feel so disconnected. Does anyone else feel depressed in their first year of fatherhood? How can I manage my time better so I spend more time with my kids? My wife and I don't see eye to eye on parenting. How do we find the time to reconnect? How do I step up as a dad? Where can I find answers to the questions I have? Welcome to the arena. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of the Dad Syndicate Arena. How's it going? Going great. How you all doing? We're good, man. We're good. What's happening, Tom? I've exchanged my whiskey for uh, chocolate milk today. Oh, man. That's rough. That's and I, don't know, I don't know how I feel about that. Syndicate. Yeah, I'd actually try both. I would just pour a little in just to test it. Mm. How about Bailey's in there? Mm. He's going to town on that. It's pretty nice. It's like an Oval Maltine. I don't know if you have that there, like Oval Teen kind of. Sh- yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. Oh, okay. So you know that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, guys. So, yeah. so it's, been a, it's been a good week. I'm on holiday at the moment for a week, but I've had like kids' birthdays, Saturday, Sunday, and then it's the children's birthday party tomorrow. So my wife's packed my holiday nice and uh, full with uh, that. And then on Friday, we leave to go see her um, uncle, like, and family. So I won't say too much about that live on the air, just that I'm not so filled with excitement for that during my holiday. If you know what okay. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's move <laughs> <laughs> What's been going on, eh? Anthony, your daughter's going to go run to Princeton University, I hear. Yep. She's running tonight at Princeton. So we'll, we'll cut out of here in a couple hours and uh, that should be exciting, you know, running at Princeton. So we're looking forward to that. I'm, I'm, ang- I'm anxious for it. So that's good. So Alan, what, what's going on with you? You got your uh, you, you got your Florida wear on, your short sleeve shirt. Here in the yeah, winter. I'm, uh, I'm coming off of a weekend of uh, celebrations. Actually, this whole week we uh, went to a national radio control car race uh, this weekend. It's my my hobby, my way to get away from the work and grind. Uh, and usually at this event, I'm in the, like 30th or 40th position at the end of the weekend, and I wound up uh, in seventh position. Wow. So uh, it was huge, man. I was just on fire all weekend. Just drove. <laughs> That's incredible. cool. Yeah, yeah you um, didn't. You you didn't say you were going to do that well. Um, it's my eighth time going to it, and uh, I don't know. I just simply have it. Good time with old friends out in Pennsylvania, and uh, it's it was an incredible experience to be up on the podium. Cool. And yeah, awesome. Definitely a different kind of hobby, I have to yeah. say. It's, it, it, it's, it, it's a ton of fun if you haven't done it, Tom. Oh, have you done it before? Yeah, well, well, Alan's the one that got me kind of into, I don't know, remember, Alan? I brought in that one junker, and you guys fixed it, and and then I just started beating up these cars ever since with my son. Yeah, he's yeah. got, uh, you know, backyard basher cars, we call them. just, And they have them in Germany, too, there, you know, just cars to go out with your kids it's a great way to teach your kid how to turn a screwdriver and get them mechanically minded oh, yeah cool um the Plus cars i race are uh you know it, it's no different than going from a street car to a nascar you know the cars we rc race are you know fifteen hundred dollar setups that require a lot of time and maintenance between each race they're cool as hell they're really cool cars but i mean like the ones i where i'm using they're still going what 65 miles an hour alan yeah, yeah, you can really crank some speed out of them. Yeah, so wow. Alan, thank God I have Alan because Alan has put back 
my car i don't know how many times i just beat the crap out of it it must be pretty cool to do with your sons i must say for other dads listening i think i think any boy loves remote control cars so yeah Yeah. You, you know what's interesting too is when you when you watch certain kids like my my personality is I just I just go for it full full throttle you know I'll hit anything I want to jump stuff and I could see my son he wants to be like precise you know he wants to keep it straight or do something cool we have two totally different mentalities so he's always yelling at me he's like you're gonna break it again you're gonna break it again. But what a surprise, got, got, Alan. What a surprise that Anthony's full on. <laughs> Anyways, let's get, uh, let's get full on into these questions, guys. So I don't think you've read them yet. No, you didn't send them. So didn't it'll send be blind. So Thank it'll be you. nice and blind. I think that's pretty Thank cool. You. Let me just double check something here quickly. Yeah. So number one, what advice do you have when you have young children who have screwed up good friends? <laughs> Slam right into it. All right. Yep. Let's roll. Well, Look, young children would, you know, I would, did he have an age? We don't have an age on the children. Young children. So I would assume. I mean, if you got a five-year-old. Five-year-old has screwed up friends. You got, their friends have screwed up parents. The kids haven't <laughs> yeah. screwed up yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but look, you know, during the younger years, you pick and choose who their friends are because you're probably driving them to their house, uh, you know, and arranging play dates and all that. Um, it, look, if you think they're a bad influence, they're a bad influence and you got to separate it. And, you know, that'll help, you know, going into teenage years. Um, you know, once they're teenagers, it's it's damn near impossible to pick and choose who their friends are. Um, so you could, best thing you can do is teach your kid to make good decisions so that if he's with those kids and they're making a bad choice, he'll step out and, and hopefully he'll see those kids as bad kids himself. Uh, and choose to step out because there's way more value for your child to make that decision themselves than for you to make it for them. So your number one goal would be to teach your kid that these kids, I don't want to say aren't at their standard, um, but that, you know, your kid should be more aware of what's right and wrong and look at the decisions that those kids are making. Yeah. I I would say, you know, it's a tough subject because, you know, again, you know, we're here to guide, not to really always tell them what to do. Um, and sometimes, you know, when we tell them, it pushes them, you know, further away from where we want them, you know, pushes up closer to what we want them not to be. But um, I always say this phrase, uh, you'll be the average of the five people you hang out most with. I say it over and over and over and over and over again. And I make my kids say it. You'll be the average of the five people you hang out most with. Just fucking let's go. We'll rattle it off, kids. And I'll say it to all my kids at, at the school. You'll be the average of the five people you hang out most with. Uh, you want you want to be a drug addict? Go hang out with some drug addicts. You want to go smoke pot? Go smoke pot. And now all the kids, you know, hey, how many of you know about Jewel? You know, all the hands go up. And these are five to eight to nine to 10-year-olds. And I'm like, holy crap. All these kids know about Juul now. And um, what is that? Uh, I don't vaping, know about that. Va- vaping. The oh. vaping, you know. You don't know what vaping is? I know what vaping. I don't know what Juul is. I think Juul is but a Juul. U.S. company. Yeah, it's a U.S. company that provides or, or sells this stuff. Uh, but anyway, but my point really is, is, you know, you know, you got to craft the story right? Hey, listen, you're hanging out with a bunch of kids that are, that are exhibiting this behavior. 
is this what, is this what you want for you? Is this what you want other parents and other people to look at you and say, you're a knucklehead like the rest of these knuckleheads. And you, you know, I repeat this phrase again, you will be the average of the five people you hang out most with. And if you want to identify with being a better basketball player, well, who should you be hanging with? Well, I should be hanging out with pretty good basketball players, right? Or whatever the case may be. Um, the interesting thing is, some kids, you know, I've, I've even through teaching and whatnot, they knew the story. You know, they get in the car, dad, mom, you know, Shion said you'll be the, you know, the average of the five people you hang out most with. And so they make maybe a little bit different decisions of who they hang with. And then all of a sudden, you get kids that just have natural shit in life, right? And they start making those bad decisions and they continue to make those decisions. It's a very difficult thing as a parent, you know, you know, it's very difficult. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how much you've been through it, both of you individually. Um, I haven't had it with my kids yet. I think most of the kids that my kids are friends with are pretty, pretty cool, but they are nine years old. So it takes a little bit of time. So I, I'm assuming that this question applies more to 10 and above, maybe to be preteen or because like you say, when it's teenagers, it's pretty difficult. But I think the prep work is done in the younger years. We keep saying that. You know, we yeah. keep saying that. Do the prep work in the younger years. Teach them. Show them what's ad ad advantageous to them. Show them by example, by not hanging out with assholes yourself. Because, I mean, how can you then tell them not to hang out with idiots if you're hanging out with idiots as a, as a parent as well? And I think that... I think if you do raise your kids in that way, you know, like your daughter's going to Princeton to run with those other girls. I'm sure she's friends with them, right? She okay, must be yeah. friends. Yeah. yeah and, and, and we're just lucky though. You know I mean? This, the group, you know, they, we call them the fab five just so happens to be five girls, right? That, that they're, they hang with most. Um, but they're all extraordinary. They all have extraordinary goals and, you know, they're kind and, you know, they just, they just handle themselves in a certain way. You know, my son's a little bit younger, so, um, but nice boys, you know, he just had a, a buddy stay here over the weekend. And, you know, I said to my wife, I'm like, what a nice boy, you know what I mean? So we're fortunate, but being at the school and I have access to so many kids and families and, you know, so I get to see the good, the bad and the ugly, you know, and I do see the, the other side where the kids are, you know, you have the one kid who hangs out with, um, you know, the group that just modifies real cars, right? And they do all crazy shit to their cars and, you know, taking off the mufflers and doing the donuts and creating havoc. And, you know, that's not always the best culture, you know, people to be around. Then you get the other kids that are, you know, the stoners, right? And you're pulled in that direction. And, you know, and I even tell kids too, it's like, Hey, you may have a good group of kids and yeah, maybe they are experimenting maybe with marijuana or vaping or whatever, you know, the case may be. And yes, right now you've made the decision. You're like, no, I choose not to do that. Yeah. They're still my friends, but I choose not to do that. But in time, <laughs> I will tell you, you are going to have to fight the, the, the constant, you know, the subtle nudges from your friends. Oh, come on, just try it. Come on, just try it. So, you know, I'm constantly trying to reinforce uh, in a thoughtful way and not in a telling way because I don't want to tell my kids because if I tell them something, I get the eye rolls, I get the yeah, the, I hear the tone in their voice. But when I speak to them and not tell them, I get a better response from, from my children. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's about being present and being intentional. The words that we use over and over, it's kind of the same thing. It's about being, having a relationship with the kids. 
from a young age on so that you can talk to them about that. I think having them being able to talk to you about whatever. So if there's something going on that they can talk to you about what that friend is doing and hopefully they, and then hopefully by that relationship, they can make the positive choice. Like you said, when they realize that the people that they hang out with, uh, you know, where, where they, where they headed, do you want to head down the same road? Like you say, Anthony, then, then basically it's, and that's what it is. It's, it's hopefully about instilling a kind of a, a goal-based mentality in our children as well and, and, a, and a willingness to want to succeed and not to do those things that harm themselves. But I think it's very important with interests and stuff. And I think when you can instill good interest in your children as well, then they'll kind of gravitate towards other children with the same interests. And then that kind of usually, like you see your daughter's going running or Alan's son probably, I, know, I don't know how his friendship circle was, but he probably was interested in people that were interested in the same thing. So I don't know if you think that is a, a help, Alan. Yeah, he was, uh, my son was a nerdy kid, so he gravitated around other nerdy ones generally. And, but even at that, you still had to teach him, you know, same thing Anthony was saying, you, you teach him to make those decisions, not tell him who his friend should be, and he'll make the right decision for them. You know, yeah, you I'm know, always turning uh, 21 tomorrow, and I sent him a uh, six pack of Yoohoo because he still won't drink beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah, the other problem, your, your son needs, needed some screwed up friends. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you know, the thing that sucks too, though, is, you know, when you, you see that really good family and, you know, because I've been around so many of them with the kids and there's just something, you know, it could be anything. Um, a kid can have certain addictions, um, certain issues going on in their lives. And, you know, I usually tell people, I really believe in that law of energy. You know, if you want to resonate on a certain level, you will attract what you're resonating on. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe if you're down or depressed or whatnot, all of a sudden you'll start seeing who, who pops up in your life, right? A lot of depressed down people. And, um, you know, like one of, uh, one of the kids from that I was mentoring for a while, you know, he took a dark path and, um, you know, the parents, I felt they'd done it all right. I've known the kids since he was seven, you know, six, seven years old. Um, and I was there the whole time mentoring them too. And it's just like, wow, we lost them. You know, we lost them. And that's, that's heartbreaking. And those are decisions that he's making, constantly making. Um, and then, but, but I will say this, my last comment about it. I do think that the parents have to be realistic and, and say, cause I said it to the parents as Hey, I think you need to get this kid to a therapist. He, we need, it's beyond me. It's beyond you. He needs professional, um, he needs a professional evaluation to see what is going on with this kid. So, you know, I know I went a little bit deeper into the question, uh, Tom, but um, sometimes the parents have to wake up and be like, okay, he's hanging out with his group of kids and his behavior is this. And, not, you know, sometimes you have to elicit help from others to kind of solve the problem. Yeah, I agree. I think also sometimes we just got to also chill out ourselves a little bit. I mean, I know that that's the extreme case. And I think you yeah. got to be aware yeah, wake I up. Yeah, I gave that. an extreme. But, you know, I am. Um, no, no, but it's good to bring that up as well. But it's also good to bring up the other side that we all had screwed up friends. And maybe sometimes we were the screwed up friend. Right. Who knows about that, you know? Sure. And yep. sometimes the impression of parents is wrong. You know, a lot of times my brother had friends and we all blamed the friends for being jerks and addicted to drugs and all these things. But guess who actually was the, the bad guy at the time? <laughs> it was my brother it wasn't it wasn't them now he's and he's gone on to be very successful and have a great life as well even though he was kind of the 
the bad kid at the stage and some of the friends that he had as well that we labeled like that aren't like that so some of us, us as parents can get overboard and worked up about this whereas you know you're right i think we just got to accept it and you say not tell them what to do but try and guide them and then if it is extreme i think then get help so i think it's yeah. answer so on to the next one guys my son is being diagnosed with adhd my ex is pushing medication and his teacher supports this but i'm mostly against it any advice on what i could or should do Tom, why don't you go first on this? You you have the ADHD child to deal with. <laughs> well, I was kind of hoping one of you would go because it is quite similar to my situation. But um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think that there's a lot of things to be done before medication is yeah. taken on board. And I think you've got to do, in my opinion, you've got to do anything you can. As I'm in a very similar situation to this, actually, is that you've got to do all you can do. And that's why I don't want to say yes until I see all parties do what they can do. You know, it needs to be something that's at school it is done, all that can be done. I need to do all that I can be done and my ex has to do everything that can be done. And I think it's sometimes an easy way out. I mean, this is just my personal opinion. I find that medication is an easy way out. It's easy to deal with people when you yeah. give them drugs. You know, you can give anybody drugs and then they can be a nice person. You know, we all could just take drugs and be happy and nice to everybody. Uh, but that's yeah. called, uh, that's basically illegal. I tell you what, easy to give. When I I work with kids, uh, you know, I work with so many of them, and um, the first thing I like to do is, like, first of all, I tell the parent, you know, I'm, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not uh, a clinical, you know, advisor. I'm not a doctor. I'm not none of those things. But what I am is somebody that's extraordinarily experienced with being around kids, just like you are, Tom. And I get this all the time from parents my kid was just diagnosed with ADHD and I'm like, I just, I just want to like roll my friggin' eyes, you know? And so I said, you know what, do me a favor, please just bring the child in first. Let me evaluate the child for myself. Now. Yeah. There's some cases where I'm like, Whoa, okay, this is legit, you know, but I would say the majority of the time I find kids that are just not inspired. Like, you know, a teacher, is saying, well, he's disruptive in class. He's not paying attention. He's, you know, drifting off, blah, blah, blah. And, and then I, I really truly ask, you know, and Tom, you're a teacher. Like, are you not connecting with that kid? You know, I, I can have a classroom with, you know, tons of kids in there. And I have to, I have to be able to inspire them to want to do what we're doing. And if I don't inspire them, I lose them, the ones that are easy to drift, right? So they start picking their fingers, they start playing with their belt, and they start doing, they start picking on the kid next to them, right? All the shit that you see in school, Tom, right? You see all this. And so I, I really tell parents, you, you really have to exhaust all your uh, resources before you think about putting the kids on drugs. And then, then the flip side of that is I see the kid come back to me on draw, you know, on medication. And I'm like, Oh my God, the kid's a zombie. Like, you know, or he just doesn't have that same personality. You know, I, it, I just don't see it. So you have to get the medication right too. You know, that's, which is scary to me, yeah. you know, and you got to play with prescriptions and one may not work as well as another. And, and once again, I'm not a doctor, but, I, but I don't think I need to be a doctor to, to give my opinion on what I see. Right. My boy, uh, you know, he has high functioning autism and uh, my ex-wife and I, fortunately, we kind of see eye to eye on the, the medicating with him. Um, but first of all, um, 
you know, if you're, your wife has primary custody and you just have visitation, it really does become more her decision than yours. Uh, that's, that's so, you know, right. You gave up when you got divorced that way. If you're co-parenting, uh, then you both have a say in it, but you know, you have to be more open to, uh, to medication. Also, was he medicated to say, was he medicated? So with Connor, we went through, I think five different medications we tried right. and there there's at least, and this is another thing parents don't realize the doctor gives them a prescription. They go on it. They decide they like it or don't like it, but there's more options than that. Right. A lot of these medications act differently at different dosages. And then there's at least a dozen different ones out there also. Uh, you know, we put Connor on one and 24 hours later, he had chewed all his fingernails off, off it right away. Well, we actually found work best in the end Coca-Cola, that little caffeine boost actually calmed him down in school. That's gave amazing. Him the little stubby cans, he would have cereal and Coca-Cola for breakfast, and we had to get him permission to take Coca-Cola to school for lunch because, you know, that it's bad, I guess. Um, but, you know, the point on it is, you know, we think medicating for that and, you know, yes, there are some that give the zombie effect, but they don't all do that. Yeah, no, I, no, no I, to, right. I, my point really wasn't that all kids become zombies. It was, yeah. it was, you know, you, there's a lot of testing and there's a lot of, you know, like you said, five different drugs and, you know, you're putting your kids through all this. And, yeah. and, and my, my whole point was you have to be, I know we all love our kids. We want the best for our kids, but you got to be really thoughtful because the first thing that I'm hearing the teacher is like, Oh yeah, they needs to be medicated. And I just, I think you have to exhaust all uh, possibilities before you do it. Yeah, I definitely do. Yeah, my Connor was at the point where he wanted to be medicated because he knew he was different and he wanted to, ha you know, have the control and be better in control. So that's why we started trying the rounds of that. And, uh, you know, at 21, he's off of all that now. But, um, you know, make sure you, uh, you do try everything, try it in different ways, see what works and don't do it because the teacher says, they should do it. Do it because you see it. Your child feels it. You know, talk to them. Um, but but don't be afraid of medication. I think medication's got a bad rap in the '80s. Uh, you yep. know, when we were throwing everybody on Ritalin and really zombieing people. Um, right. The medications have progressed a long, long way now. Uh, so you know, it's not something to be just be right off the bat saying I'm against medication. You know, it's it is a reality. Uh, for a lot of kids. No, it is a reality, but I, I go back to what I said is, you know, I remember when Nicholas was younger and the teacher was like, you know, Nicholas doesn't really, you know, focus and, and, um, you know, you really should get him diagnosed. And, but, and we were like, what the freak? I like, we never, I never experienced that before. Yeah, you were not anyway. what the freak. Just be honest, you know, come. What, oh, what the what the fuck? So, so I said, so we, we, we literally, we went into school and we, we looked into the door and I saw Nick, um, he was sitting on the floor, he was in you know kindergarten and they had some goofy TV show on for the kids to watch. And he's looking and he's, there's the ABCs and there was the counting. He was looking at all the things and, you know, he was, you know, that goofy movie wasn't inspiring him. He was bored. The kid was bored. 
And that was a good life lesson for me because I realized like this kid doesn't have ADHD. Like the kid, like I'd be bored too sitting in there. All the other kids were like winding down, like watching the movie, you know, and he wanted to go. He's a boy. And that's why when kids come into the, to, when I meet a lot of these young kids, I'd like to see and speak to them first. Like parents, you go stand over here because I don't need you to interrupt me speaking to him. I want to hear from him. I want to see how he's, is he looking at me? Is he speaking to me? Is he engaged in the room? Is he, you know, where is his mind right now? Um, but I definitely, you can, you can tell when, when a kid has ADHD. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think you both make good points. I think it's all individual on an individual basis. And I think as a parent, you've got to look at all the, all the factors playing a role in your child showing up like that. So I agree. It's like, is the environment inspiring? Cause a lot of people with ADHD in children, including myself, you'll find that your, that child can, can be really focused on things when they're interested. And Michael Phelps is an exact example of being completely ADHD when he was younger. And then he got in the pool and he started spending hours and hours in the pool, seven days a week as a young kid. And we all know how that ended up. Uh, the greatest sportsman, well, one of the greatest sportsmen, the greatest Olympian to ever live um, from being an ADHD kid, you know? And so that's the thing that's interesting is that when they're interested, they do well. And so that has to do with inspiring thing. On the other hand, the medication is that I'm not, I wouldn't say personally that I would be completely hundred percent opposed, but I think the caveat has to be that you have stepped up as parents and that you've done your job properly because it's no use putting a kid on medication because you as divorce, especially in divorced parents, because kids are going between homes, you know, their life is a little bit more or less stable. There can be conflict between the parents uh, as I've experienced as well, which then can affect the child. So there's so many different move, moving parts that you've got to kind of get a handle on and work together with your ex. You know, I'll just say to the guy, like work together with your ex, try and, communicate well and and put your own differences aside when it comes to this so they can really be talking about your son and and what's what's to follow and steps that are taken because a lot of i find that a lot of the um disagreements that happen in these divorce situations can not boil down to what's in the best interest of the kid but what each parent wants to do and that each parent feels that whenever they give up or whenever they give in to a, a decision that they're kind of losing instead of putting the kid in the middle. So in this case, put the kid in the middle, check that you've done everything yourself. Don't be close to, um, don't be close to um, medication, but as well, you know, don't just run to medication to solve all your problems. So we'll move on to the next one, guys. Man, that was good, man. Thanks. I think it's some wise words there for sure. Um, next one is, since having our kids, my wife isn't interested in being that intimate. I know I'm also to blame for this, but what can I do to save our marriage becoming like living as exhausted, irritable roommates? That's an interesting one. I'm sure one of you would love to kick off on that one. You know, uh, first of all, there's the possible medical issue for your wife. So she should, you know, if she's having postpartum depression or things like that, she should uh, definitely get checked by a doctor. Otherwise, everything you do is is going to be in vain and you're both going to just stay frustrated. Um, the, uh, the first recommendation I would have for you is be the kind of guy that she'll want to have sexual relations with. If you've become a lazy dad around the house, not helping, you're wearing dad jeans and not taking care of your own physical health, being attractive to her, the person that she dated, then why would she want to sleep with you? You know? So be, be the man that she wants you to be. Uh, that, that's first and foremost is look to yourself first. Are you the issue? Uh, <laughs> number one. 
and then make the atmosphere uh, for it to happen. You guys, you know, once a week at least should be having date nights and, you know, weeknights when, you know, the kids have a bedtime. Look, there's nothing wrong when you have young kids of making their bedtime early enough so that you two have time together. You know, it, some people are like, well, my kids don't want to go to bed that early. They're not tired. Put them in the bedroom. They're done. It is part of a healthy family for the two of you to be healthy together. So make sure you lock in that time with each other and, uh, you know, give that, that'll also help with the opportunity. Uh, and then of course, make sure you're doing your 50% around the house. There we go. You know, the, the, otherwise you're going to get resentment and an exhausted wife both together. So, you know, I think those are the, the three big ones I think to hit on there. I think you did a good job on that, Alan. Awesome. I mean, yeah, good job. Well done, <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. I mean, I really don't know if we have too much more to add to that, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but wow, I left Anthony speechless here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I liked that. I was like, damn, he was good. But um, no, I think that, I think one of the mistakes that husband and wife you know, with children should not run into is um, it's always that like, you know, I always hear, you know, the kids, the kids come first, the kids come, you know, it's the kids, the kids, the kids. And in reality, it's, it's you guys and you guys are the engine. And, um, and it's always like that kind of weird thing to say that like the priority really should be the husband and the wife. And we are going to be thoughtful and great parents and do all the things that we have to do. But if, if you're in a relationship and you're not taking that time for you to, and it's easy to get burned out, it's easy to, you know, listen, you know, uh, people say, you know, how hard is it to be, you know, a stay at home mom? Well, shit, man, there's a lot to do when you're home all day, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, you know, between all the, the things you, you can do, it can be a long haggard day for, for a mom or a dad who, who stays home. Um, I think if even for myself, if I re reflect on my life, I think I didn't um, spend enough time saying, hey, we're going to do one-on-one -on -one things together because it was more we do everything together. So it was always a unit, um, the four of us. And I think if I had to reflect looking back, I think it would have been it would have been healthier if if we took more time for us. And I mean not just putting them in your room, but Alan, I'm I'm a I'm a proponent of what you said, by the way. It's it's shut down time, guys. <laughs> Get in your rooms, put put your put your electronics in the hallways. It's it's time. I mean, you know, if your kids, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, even 16, and it's 10, 11 o'clock at night it's time to shut down. But uh, I, I, I do think you're right, Alan. I mean, I liked all what you said. Um, but in re reflecting, like I said, I think I needed, I didn't, maybe it was my fault, her fault, I don't know what, what is, we needed more our time. Mm. Yeah, I think you need, I think all you both make good points. And Alan, yeah, good job on that. I think you covered most of the bases. I think that the other thing is just when you talk about what he does, um, is that these things take time, you know, obviously if it's going from a time now where nothing's happening and there seems to be like, you know, living like exhausted roommates or he obviously feels like that already that, um, 
you've got to be patient because putting pressure and getting frustrated and stuff is definitely not going to make it more likely. It's going to start making it less likely. And then right. it's really going to start really making it almost irretrievable because it's already at the stage where nothing's happening. And that's, that's easier said than done. You know, I know it must be really hard to have that, to have that happen and, and things and, and kind of see no way out. But I think that if you take Alan's advice on first stepping up as a guy, because you definitely have yeah. to take ownership of your role. You know, a lot of guys are like, wonder oh, what's happening. But as Alan is saying, it's like, you know, you, you've got to, you've got to be the man that she wants to be with. And also, you know, when it's that's harder. Like, for I like that. That's a great line, by the way. Yeah. That's, that's a good line. Yeah. But when she's tired, it is, you have to be more. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unfortunately, it's not the same as when there were no kids around and, you know, you could just walk in the door and it was on like yeah. Donkey Kong, you know, it's, there's <laughs> a lot of things going. She doesn't feel like it naturally. So it's going to have to be the extra mile, which means you actually almost have to step up better than 10 years ago, which right. I know is really hard. But if you really want that and that's valuable to you, then you've got to do that. And I think that means getting in shape. It means cooking around the house. It's the little things you do. Also, her love language, like what is the thing that makes her feel um feel loved and if she's not a person that is you know if affection isn't her her um her go-to love language then you need to start thinking out of out of the box i mean i know my wife if i fix things around the house that is like her love language like she loves it when i do acts of service but i'm more of a words of affirmation kind of guy so it's like well I, if i tell her the whole time how wonderful she is that's not going to do that it's going to be like doing things around the house making sure i get up early taking care of the kids and not babysitting the kids but being the other parent like alan says and i think joshua laycock posted something this week we actually mentioned the dad syndicate in quite a few times was it's bullshit you aren't like looking after the kids and you're not babysitting you are the other parent and that needs to happen because a lot of dads are like oh well i come home after work and i'm sitting down and my wife doesn't want me i'm like well no kidding she's freaking i mean i'm at home now with my kids during the holidays and i'm probably more tired now than i am when i'm at school and at work because you know, being with my daughter today, the baby, she's just whining and crying. And then there's the little other boy and birthday parties and, and whatnot. And my wife yesterday actually mentioned on the recent podcast with Taryn that I released yesterday. Well, no, released today. Um, he was saying that his wife tells him all this mental burden on her mind of all these things that she has to do, you know, take care of the kids, doctor's appointments, um, taking the kids to kindergarten, packing the lunches. And she went on with this list so much that I went, okay, just stop, please, because you make, you're doing my head in just telling me this list of things that you have to take. Right. Yeah. If you take that off her mind, you know, there's no place for sex and intimacy in her brain because she's got like 15, a list of 15 things. And even when the kids are asleep, if you're unlucky, like I'm lucky, my kids already were asleep before like quarter to eight, but sometimes they can take a while. And you can imagine the whole day has been going and then she's got all these things on her mind. And if you haven't taken them off her mind, where's going to be the space for you? you know, th think of it this way too. You, you, you come home from work and you know, okay, so you're tired. I mean, what, what's his bullshit? Like, okay, I'm, we're all tired sometimes when we come home. But the point is, if you were living alone, you'd have to be doing your laundry, cleaning your dishes, fixing up your house, unless you're just a, a fucking mess, right? You, you, have, you have shit you have to get done in your life. Right. So, yes. so if you're not living with your mommy and daddy and you're on your own, you're doing this all for yourself. So when you get home, I know, you know, for years with, with my wife, it was always like, if, if I unloaded the dishwasher, like that was a big deal. Cause she hates low. She hates unloading the mm. dishwasher. Mm. So that was always like the priority in my head, no matter if I had like 500 things to do. And I came home, it was like, I I'm unloading the dishwasher. 
right? Because that's how that's that's how that's her love language. You know, you, you yeah. said, you know, Tom, for for like me, that doesn't that doesn't speak to my language. Yeah, me either. I want the I want the affirmation. I want to hear it. Just tell me something, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want I don't need you to cook me something. That's like great, thank you. That's great, but I can take care of myself. I rather have what you just said, mm -hmm. and. And that's a tough thing because most people feel that, you know, guys don't need that. And we do need that. So let, know, me, I, let me throw in one more with that is that especially if you have a, a stay at home wife, there's nobody there during her day telling her she's doing a good job, paying her compliments, thanking her for what she's doing. Kids might say a thank you, but they're certainly <laughs> not going to be like, you know, hey, you did a good job on this. Yeah, you know, we get it in the workplace Thanks, mom. and from friends. So make sure, look, this is the easiest place to start is make sure not only are you thanking her for doing the things that she does, but compliment her. Say, you know, you did this well. Hey, you know, honey, the, the living room looks great today. Thanks for uh, straightening it out. Right. Compliment her on it. Give her some self-esteem because it's very easy to work, 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 not, never hear you did a good job. She's going to get down. So you know, yeah. start with something basic like that. And try, try being around kids all day, right? Yeah. By yourself. You want to pull your frigging hair out, right? Like a teacher. Yeah. Oh, what a life. Eh? Yeah. yeah, I know. I know what it's like. It's tough. But, but the thing is as well, it's like, you got to make sure that she's taking time for herself because the worst part is like when your wife starts feeling like feeling unattractive herself, you know, women are kind of yeah. different like that in a way. I think sometimes us guys, and I'm not saying it's across the board, no generalization, but a lot of times we don't really care how we look or what we feel. We want to get it on. Whereas right. women often want to look good. They want to feel good. They want to feel like they've taken care of themselves. And if she's not going to do some sports or getting out of the house away from the kids, then it's going to make it much harder for her to like feel like she's ready for that or feel that she's into that. I mean, I'm not an expert of this, but I know that the foreplay starts in the morning. So from the moment you wake up, it's that supposed to be, and I'm not saying do it. And also don't, don't do it so that you get sex do it because you want to have a great relationship because that's also the other turn off for women is oh he's just doing things to get get me in the sack or, or get it on if, if they know that it's to build a relationship and and that it's to build love i think that that makes it much more likely that the intimacy which you want to call it intimacy and not just sex when you're married and when you have a close relationship then it then it can then it can happen more more easily or more readily i would say the sex should always be a result and not an objective it's better when it is yeah, it's, it's always better when that's a result and not an objective. I know, but it's tough not to make it an objective sometimes, I have to say. <laughs> so yeah, guys, man, cool. So we've done all three questions tonight a little bit earlier. We actually have some time to just waste here. So what's what's plans for the week, Anthony? Plans for the week. You know, my, right now I'm focused on getting to, to Princeton tonight. So that and then, um, you know, just pounding out. My days are full. You know, my days are full. So I just try to crank out my day. Then I'll start my new list tomorrow, right? Hey, here's my make it happen list, by the way. Yeah, it's not, yeah, I've heard about that list that, that I've been listening to the one thing that that book about just having like one thing to do today. Not yeah. a new list, but same thing as what you've been talking about, not a to do list. But I, I don't think they didn't call it a make it happen list, but it's kind of similar. Alan, you got any plans? Oh, yeah, I guess got the okay this morning to move my uh, business into a new facility. Oh, congrats. You got it. Thanks. Cool. Yeah, we were done. And uh, so I think uh, this by this weekend, we'll be starting to haul stuff in and make it happen. Cool, cool bro. 
Sweet, man. Thanks, guys. I've got wonderful children's kids' birthday here tomorrow with a whole bunch of four-year-olds, so that's going to be awesome. Birthdays end for you. Every time we talk, you've got a birthday. Well, it's the last one now. James is the last one. So with that, I'm signing off, guys. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Really great. Go check us out on YouTube. Leave some comments there. Go check us out on Facebook and Instagram, but not too much. Really doing a drive against social media. Really think it mostly sucks. So go and find things of value. And if you're not finding value, get off social media and go spend time with your kids. So be better, do better, have better. Peace. Ciao.